Is there not an entire section on this subject? Yes, that's what's unfair. I may have I may have saved my mind about beef for Is is your is your book for sale about? Yes. Have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure. I just go and try and do a better job. Let me tell you. 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 Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. Yo, Trey. What up? I got something to say. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Let Me Tell You, episode 115. I'm your host, Norm the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So, I feel like I say this every week. It's It's been a crazy week, right? It's been a crazy week. It's, it's For months, maybe even over a year, I've been saying, it's been a really crazy week. All around the world, the same song, right? It's the same old song. And, uh... And so, call me slow, I've been called worse, uh, but I finally come to the realization, I, I probably came to this realization a while ago, I'm finally admitting to the realization that uh, this is not going to change anytime soon, unless we can get to a point where people are willing to admit that they are wrong. And that's really the, the, the big cause of the division, is people not being willing to admit that they're wrong pride pride is pride is the biggest uh divider in in the world i mean it truly is i mean there's a reason i, I i'm try i'm trying to remember the devil's advocate i can't remember if at the end he said vanity it's my favorite sin or if he was like pride <clears throat> but i repeat myself vanity is pride um you know, it's a, I'm still amazed at the fact that uh, this month is Pride Month. And not only did they choose pride, which is the sin that Satan was guilty of that caused him to be cast down from heaven, but then they've also appropriated the rainbow, which was God's promise to Noah, the Noahic covenant, the, the sign of the Noahic covenant, that he would no longer destroy the world by water. I mean, Scripture does say he will destroy the world by fire um, sometime. Uh, some people think sooner than others. and um, But to, to kind of take those couple of things, is there, there's such a, a, a sick irony in it that, I don't know, it amazes me. But so, and here, here's the thing, as I've, I've said this before, and I've, I, I wish I could attribute exactly who said it. Um, it probably goes back a, a long ways. I've heard many men that I respect, excuse me, use this statement. But as I was prepping to do this show, and I was, I was thinking about it and contemplating it, I was like, you know, as we we are so divided in this country and the divide isn't going to get any better until people are willing to admit that they were wrong, have been wrong and so on. But I was like, the even, I mean, because this divide even exists in the church. If you if you're I mean, even in reformed circles in in the body of Christ, I mean, right now, if you go to Facebook and you go to. Not so much a reformed pub, but reformed bars. 
and and really it's the the third topic that I'm going to talk about in in this podcast is the one that is the big divider but in the other two as well but if you look you can see this divide even among brothers who um claimed claim reformed theology and so as I was saying, you know, the church is, is mimicking the world in this. The, the body of Christ is, is mirroring what the world is doing as far as this division among brothers. But the, the truth of the matter is, <coughs> excuse me, is where the world goes stems from where the, what the church is doing. Again, I've, I've many. I was about to say this, but then I got distracted. Many men that I respect have said it. When I hear it in my head, I hear it um, in Luke Pearson, one of the pastors at Apologia Church. I hear it in Luke's voice. But the the culture is the report card of the church. How are you doing? Right. The things that are going on in the world truly stem from what is going on in the church. So it's not that the church is mirroring the world in this. The world is mirroring the church because the church is failing to define what is the culture. The cult should define the culture. And we have, uh, the church has abdicated. And, and it goes back to um, Willow Creek. It goes back to Saddleback it goes back to these these churches that were proudly seeker sensitive and they were like we want to do what they want you know we want to, to in order to reach out to um the unchurched we want to make church looks like something that they want and so and in that they gave up the culture war they they the church truly gave that up because of the seeker sensitive movement. And it was so big um, that it just, you, you don't go to the inmates and ask them how they want the prison to be run. Right. And you don't go to the unchurched and ask them how they want the church to be run. Because basically they're going to tell you, we don't want you to talk about sin. We want you to let us do whatever we want. We want you to just give us some, some feel good, uh, life improvement, uh, you know, life coaching style sermons and let us go off and, and live like the devil from Monday through Saturday. And so the reason why we see these massive divisions on these situations, I honestly believe is because the church gave up the culture war. And not to say that every church, I mean, there are definitely churches. I've already mentioned Apologia, Refuge, uh, Christ Church. Um, there are plenty of Reformed Church, Redemp Redemption Church here in, in Ogden, you know, different churches that are willing to stand up and say, this here and no further. But they're also not willing to listen on some of the issues that are like are secondary. And again, I would never, never, ever, ever say we give up on the essentials of the gospel. You know, again, the person and nature of Christ, the person and nature of God, you know, theology proper, soteriology, the nature of our salvation by works alone. You know, the, the five solas that are, are uh, integral to 
what are the essentials of the church. You know, we are saved through uh, by faith alone, through grace alone, uh, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Right? These are these are the essentials. Those five solas, the essentials of the church, can really be wrapped up in those five solas. You know, the person, nature of God, and so on. So we recognize that and we would never give that up. But there are some places where we can listen. Again, I mean, I don't agree with, with Christ Church and their, uh, their desire to baptize babies. I don't see biblical precedent for it. I don't see uh, uh, any good argument for it. But I also don't see the need to break fellowship over it. Right? So there are those secondary issues that, um, and I would say baptism is an essential thing that that is a request it's a sacrament of the church but again whether it's dipping sprinkling blah 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 i believe that the bible says we dip adults or people who have made a profession of faith some places believe that you sprinkle babies who are born into a family of believers okay do what you got to do just understanding that it is one of the sacraments one of the things that christ has commanded us to do you know church discipline baptism communion these things are essential parts of what is a, a church. But let me get into how this is reflected in, in the world. And there are three. I could go on for days on the issues that we are seriously divided over. But I'm going to break it down to right now, this week, things that I have engaged with in, in the, the current week that are the big three things that, that we are completely divided over um, in the church and in the world, and where we need to somehow find a way to at least be able to hear each other and not just speak past each other or ignore each other, shut each other down outrightly. And so the first thing is, is, is we're, we're looking at COVID, right? Last week, I'm, I did an episode about Canada and where they stand on the COVID issues and arresting pastors because they're violating these health guidelines and blah, 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 blah. And I probably lost my longest running, most, face, most faithful watching uh, subscriber is gone. Gone from my, my subscriptions, you know, gone from my feed, no more comments because I made her angry with my take on where Canada is with COVID mandates and health and, and, and stuff like that. Did I push too hard? Maybe. I don't know. I'm, my opinion is my opinion. And as I'm looking at things, that it is where I stand. Can I, would I be willing to look at things from the other side? I've always been willing to look at things from the other side. I've always been willing to go, okay, give me your information. Let me look at it. I'm going to filter it through, you know, what I know to be true and so on. And then I'm going to come out with a decision. You know, masks. I have always maintained from the beginning when Dr. Fauci was saying that masks didn't work. I've always maintained that masks are a pointless uh, tool in, in combating this virus. Because again, if it is an air, if it's passed by droplets, and I'm asymptomatic, I'm not sneezing or coughing or anything like that, then I cannot pass to you a droplet whether I have a mask on or not because I'm asymptomatic. There, that's why, and science has shown that asymptomatic spread is almost nil because if it is passed by droplets, then 
if I'm if I'm not symptomatic, then I can't give it to you. So there's no reason for me to wear a mask. And if you are wearing a mask and someone who does happen to be symptomatic, not wearing a mask, sneezes, whether I mean they sneeze directly at you or not, but you you know you've seen the videos of how sneezes travel, and a couple of droplets land on your mask, well now you are trapped inhaling that. If it, if it just hits your face and you wipe off or whatever then okay your likelihood of of catching that virus is gonna go down but if it lands on your mask and it's sitting there and now you are just rebreathing that same stuff you are increasing your chance because it is sitting there just waiting so i've always maintained that masks didn't work but we watched like fauci and the emails that have come out and so on. And this dude went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Right? No one's willing to admit that they were wrong. We now have a whole lot more science that says masks are, are, are kind of useless. See, because it's an airborne, apparently an airborne virus. Which means if it's airborne, then p- trying to wear a mask to d- to keep the the virus out is like, might as well have a, a chain link fence in front of your face because it's coming through because they're, unless you're wearing an N95 filtration kind of mask or above, or like a military grade gas mask, you ain't keeping that out. But when we do come to a point where nobody's willing to say they're wrong, you know, as Fauci's is day after day after day is being more and more exposed and the Democrats are throwing him under the bus as well, but he's becoming more and the man still refuses to admit I was wrong. Even on, he can't pick a side of the argument where he was at because he's been on both sides multiple times, but yet we are so divided and people are like, you know, again, with the issue of vaccines and stuff like that, my sister just did a post the other day about we all need to get vaccines. And if we can all get vaccines and we can reach herd immunity and da, da, da. how did we reach herd immunity before there were vaccines? People got the virus. Oh, well, the virus, you might not your natural immunities might not work as well. Well, then if my natural immunities aren't going to work, then a vaccine's not going to work either. And that's just that's just plain science. Right. And the reality is, is if you look at the things that are coming out and the, the studies that are being done and shown, natural immunity, the fact that I had COVID makes me far safer than not than just a, a vaccine. But we're so entrenched. And so a couple of people pushed back on, on her post. And rather than going, thank you for the information, she just deleted it. Well, I don't want you to, to delete. If I'm pushing back on something, it's, it's not because I just want you to make it go away. I want to engage in, and maybe I, maybe I am wrong. And maybe you can give me some information to show me that I am wrong. And I want to be willing. I've Many times where I posted something and said something that, that is wrong and somebody, I don't go back and delete it. I just say, hey, here I am and I'm making the admission I was wrong. That's the, that is the, the goal. When, when we engage in debate, we want people to learn and to look at evidence and so on and let that, let the truth define your worldview. Your worldview should never define your truth because that's a, that's an oxymoron statement. Truth by definition is absolute. 
there is a truth. You can't have a truth. And that, that was something that was in the post is, is your truth is more valid than my truth. Well, no, there is a truth. And if my truth doesn't line up with the truth, then my truth is nothing but an opinion or a lie. Or if your truth and my truth are contradictory, then one of us can be right or both of us can be wrong, but we can't both be right. Because there is a truth, not multiple truths. Truth is not relative. And that's something that we need to get back to in this society is to understand that there is a definite truth and we should be allowing that to define our worldviews, not letting our worldviews define our truth, if that makes any sense. And that brings us to the next thing, which is politics. This is probably the... Well, I would say right now it's the second most divisive, divisive thing, but the, the most divisive thing falls along the same lines for the most part of the pol- politics. You know, I'm watching senators and stuff like that. Right now, the, the big thing going on is they're, they're trying to do away with the filibuster. They're trying to do away with the filibuster so that Biden can get through some... Uh, voting laws and stuff like that, that it's basically going to uh, legislate the emergency procedures that were happened during uh, COVID and essentially make it very easy to engage in voter fraud. And again, here, here's one of those things that it's like, it's all or nothing. There's no willingness to look at things on the other side. People in this last election were either, it was all fraud or it was all legit, but nobody would, I mean, and, and even when you were pointing out, you know, look at these things that were happening and the numbers that were, were changing and stuff like that. And the little, you remember the little graph of the, whoop, 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 you know, right. The, the massive influx at 4am of votes for Joe Biden to the, the, the tune of like 7 million votes across the nation at 4.30am. I mean, if you can't look at that and go, something was a little bit sketchy you have you are letting your worldview define the truth but again i was willing to go well joe biden is is inaugurated and he is the president so whether i think everything this this uh election was on the up and up or not this is what we're dealing with and this is where we're going again but then there are others like i just did the false teacher of the week on, on greg Locke the other day who was like you know, that still throwing down the gauntlet that Donald Trump is the president and and everything, you know, and it was people are so it's either all or nothing on this. It's either it was, you know, it was absolute, you know, fraud or it was all completely legit. Nothing to see here. You know, don't mind. Don't don't pay any attention. Pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. Right. There was some sketchy stuff that went down in this election. Do I think the the election was legit? No. Do I think Joe Biden is the legitimate president of the United States? Well, by all the laws and procedures and everything else of, of the United States of America, he was inaugurated as a president. And now, uh, you know, the the uh, administration is being run by Kamala Harris. Actually, I don't think she's running it. I think there's there's like a conglomeration of people that are making decisions, but it ain't Joe. And I'm pretty sure it's it's not Kamala either. But. That's beside the point. So again, on our, our political views, I mean, people are now saying that the filibuster is like Jim Crow and it's racist to have a filibuster. And I'm like, really? 
because like just a few years ago, the Democrats were using the filibuster left and right, you know, it, it and the Republicans were trying to get rid of it. You know, it's it's the, the classic uh, Eminem line from eight mile, pay, you know, pay attention, meathead, you know, didn't you listen to the last round meathead? Pay attention. You're saying the same ish that he said. Right. And it's just the other side. And we've done this for years and years and years. I predict it all the time. I'm like, I'm so excited to start watching the Democrats throw out all the same lines the Republicans were doing four years ago and watching the Republicans just mirroring the the Democrat stuff because that's what we do politically. And nobody is willing to come to a place of, you know, where finally with Donald Trump, I had to go, I am not a Republican anymore. I cannot be part of the party that made that man their standard bearer. Now, this year, I may come back into the Republican Party, depending on who they nominate as a president, as their presidential candidate. And I may put myself back in there because I do align politically um, and values wise more with the Republican Party. Right now, I am an un- unaffiliated. I'm not a libertarian because I'm not down for smoking pot and, uh, you know, and I'm not down for abortion rights or anything like that. But I can't be a Republican because this party has lost its way. Like, like Reagan said, you know, the Democrats, Democratic Party didn't leave. I didn't leave that party. They left me. And the same thing with the Republicans. I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. So, but this is one of those places where we are so unwilling to even hear what the other side has to say. Take AOC this week for, for an example. And I, and I mean... Okay, you're picking on the Democrat norm. Okay, yes, I am. Uh, because this is ridiculous. So here's the deal. AOC puts out a tweet talking about her abu- abuela who lives in Puerto Rico in a house that is falling down and it's all Trump's fault. Hurricane, was it Maria? I think so. Hurricane Maria that, that hit, I, I can't remember which hurricane it was that hit Puerto Rico the last that really decimated things and did a lot of damage. I have friends in Puerto Rico that could have used some more help uh, in this and was the, the response to that appropriate? I don't think so. Could we have done more? Could we have done better? Absolutely. But so AOC is talking about Abuela and her, her house is, uh, the roof is falling down and it's just horrible, um, you know, and she's living in squalor and blah, 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 blah. But AOC, she's just using it as something to blame Trump. This is, you Republicans are so bad. My grandma is, is dying in Puerto Rico while I'm leasing a $70,000 Tesla or something and got this, just, you know, it, exquisite apartment, blah, 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 blah. All this money. Well, AOC, why, why are you fixing grandma's roof? Why aren't you fixing grandma's house? You make enough money as a, as a United States Senator that you could pay for Abuela to have a better house or move out of Puerto Rico or anything like that. Right. I mean, why aren't my mom, my mother-in-law lives here with us. Why, why haven't you brought Abuela into your house? Why haven't you taken her in? If, if, if things are that bad, why aren't you taking care of her? Well, somebody else kind of had the same thought, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. And so he started to go fund me. And within hours, within hours, conservatives raised over $100,000 for uh, extreme liberal AOC's grandma in Puerto Rico. 
I'm pretty sure there wasn't a whole lot of liberals that gave to that, that GoFundMe account. So what happened with that? Somebody either in AOC's office or somebody in the family contacted GoFundMe and said, we don't want the money. So the GoFundMe was disbanded. Everybody who, who donated got their money back. And AOC's grandma is still living in squalor. AOC, here's the thing with politics, and it's on both sides. And I'm yes, I'm using a Democrat right now as an example. AOC would rather have her grandmother live in poverty and dilapidated conditions to prove that Trump is wrong rather than to let conservatives help grandma. To quote the, the late, great R.C. Sproul, what's wrong with you people? And again, there are examples that we could go through, and I'm sure they'll come in the comments of, of the same thing going on on the right. Right? I mean, it, it's there. It happens. We are so entrenched and we're so unwilling to look at the middle ground, at the gray area. No, I'm not asking anybody to give up the, at the absolute standard of, of values, but we have to be able to start looking at some middle ground. We have to start being willing to admit, I may have been wrong on this. And the biggest one, the probably the biggest divider right now in the church is critical race theory, is CRT, is race issue, issues, and so on. Now, I'm going to say some things that are probably going to be unpopular on both sides. Do I think critical race theory is a good thing to be using in any way, shape, or form to examine and um, evaluate racial situations? No, because it is, yes, whether, whether black people have read Marx or anything else, CRT, this as a, a, a tool... Of, of thinking is based in Marxism. Yes, Vody Balcom and Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker and all these men who have, have used cultural Marxism to define critical race theory are accurate. Now I'm going to piss off you know, some of my other friends that, that are on the other side of this issue. But yes, CRT is absolutely cultural Marxism. Does that mean that every complaint that is coming from a person of color or the issues of racism or anything else fall in line with CRT? No. No, because Kurt Kennedy is right. You know, some of the complaints about things that are going on in the black community are coming from people who've never read Marx. But the, the narrative that is coming across is, is based out of CRT, if it is based out of CRT. And I don't think it all is. Again, I, I have witnessed the racist acts of stupid people many times in the last week, in the last month. I watched somebody on video too far away to, to recognize exactly who the person is, but I've watched a person on video slash my sister-in-law's tire because she's black. And at one point in time, she put BLM on the back of her window and the, and it, I know it's the Trump people on the corner are angry because how dare she do that? And, and so the ridiculousness I've watched it at work with, with people who, who choose to call the one black guy that actually works on our, our, 
our swing shift, decided they wanted to give him the nickname Midnight. Right? I've watched it happen. I know racism exists in this country. Now, do we break down by definition of what is systemic racism? I think this country has done everything that it can to eliminate systemic racism, which is inherent racism built into the system. We have on paper done as much as we can. Maybe we can do a little bit more. I can't, won't say we've done everything or as much as, but we have done leaps and bounds to do what we can to eliminate systemic racism. Does that mean that racism is gone? No, not in the least. Does that mean the church has been perfect on its response to racism? Absolutely not. And I'm willing to go, I'm willing to look at history and go, we made some, some huge mistakes. You know, yes, we were the, the Christians were the ones that, that were the spearhead and the, 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 overwhelming force of abolition to get slavery uh, abolished in this nation and around the world, but it's still going on in many places, but um, for the most part, man selling cattle style, chattel style slavery was eliminated because Christians stood up and said, this is morally wrong. Now, where were the Christians during Jim Crow? This is a question that Kirk Kennedy has asked many, many times, rightly so, and the church was pretty much absent. In the 50s and 60s, the church just went right along with the segregation and the laws that, that said, you know, segregation. There were Now, there were probably a lot of churches that didn't. So, again, we, we, we recognize the places where we messed up, and maybe it's not the church as a whole, but we still, we, we should be able to go. Yeah, I recognize that. Do I need to repent for what, you know, first Baptist church of Tuscaloosa did during the sixties and the fifties and sixties during Jim Crow, Crow and, uh, and, and so on segregation, whether or not, you know, the first Baptist church of Tuscaloosa had a bathroom for whites and a bathroom for coloreds and, a uh, uh, drinking fountain for the same respectively, right? Do I need to repent for that? No, I wasn't part of that. Was my grandma, were my grandparents, uh, complicit in the murder of Martin Luther King? Sorry to No, they were not. But can I see that? Well, yeah, there were, there were issues of white America and so on that were complicit in that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But if you're going to break it down and this is again, and when we point these things out, nobody was willing to go, yeah, maybe I came a little, went a little too far on that. I actually think, I don't know if it was that statement specifically, but I know Thabiti came out and said, you know what? I think I, I, I misspoke in some of these places and so on. Still waiting for shills like, uh, what's his name? Kyle Howard or whatever to come out and, and do something like that. But it's like very few men have I seen be willing to step up and go, okay, maybe I, I misspoke. Maybe I, maybe I reacted to this one wrong. Maybe I did this. It's pride. Again, pride is the reason why the Mormon church still exists. Right? We have overwhelming evidence that everything that Joseph Smith presented to the world was false. Yet still people are willing and members of, of that false religion. We have the same stuff going on in other places where we can put forth evidence of, of racism and so on. And, 
and people are will, are not willing to go, okay, I can see your point. We can see evidence of where, well, you're, it's not a blanket, overwhelming suppression. You know, voter ID is not a suppression of your right to vote because I don't know a black person that doesn't have an ID. I don't know a black person doesn't have some form of identification or knows how to get some form of identification that knows how to use the internet. You know, this is the, the actually the democratic presentation of rural black people that they're apparently so ignorant that they, they, they can't find the DMV and they can't work a computer, which we all know is wrong. It's false. I mean, again, how many of you know somebody that is just so local yokel that they don't know how to use the internet or find an ID that's not 95 years old. Okay, we'll, we'll give them that. Grandma may not know how to check her email, and that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm betting you, you, Grandma still knows where the DMV is, no matter how old she is. She can probably give you turn-by-turn directions on how to get there because she's probably been there that many times in her life. At 95 years old, you've renewed that driver's license quite a few times, right? But again, it's coming back to the place, and we do, and I will maintain this, that the gospel is the answer. Is CRT the greatest threat to the gospel? No, Johnny Mac, I'm sorry, it is not. And I agree with Kurt Kennedy when he's, there is no threat against the gospel. There is no threat to the gospel. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the the rock upon which he built his church? The gospel. Him, us knowing him and him knowing us. That's what the, the church was built on. That is the rock of the gospel. And I firmly still believe that, yes, we just need to preach the gospel. I mean, do we do other things in, in line with it? Absolutely. I mean... Our faith, if we have been, if the gospel has been preached to us and our heart has been regenerated, then we want to do things to make these things right. If you don't want to actively work towards seeing racial reconciliation in this country, then I would say you need to check your heart. Did you repent? Have you repented? Have you changed the way you think? Have you put your trust in in the salvation and the salvific work of Christ upon the cross? Because those things are going to flow from a a regenerate heart. The repentant heart wants to see racial reconciliation, wants to see the poor cared for, but they want to see it done rightly. It's not the, the government's job. It's the church's job. It is the church's job, true religion, to take care of widows and orphans, right? That's what James tells us. That is true religion, to take care of the the widows and the orphans. To not show favoritism in any way, shape, or form, whether it be by race or 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 social uh, economic status or whatever. We don't show favoritism. We do not show preference to one people or another. This is what the gospel leads to. So how do we overcome this? We preach the gospel to more people. We see more people get saved. And then as God is regenerating those hearts, then we'll see abortions dropping because people will go, this is murder. 
I recognize that now with a new heart and a mind that has been transformed or my, the, the transforming of my mind by the renewing of my soul by, you know, and I screwed that up. But right, this is what the gospel does. The gospel message takes in the Holy Spirit works through that gospel message to change people's hearts and minds. So that is the greatest thing that we can do is to preach the gospel, to see these things change in the way people think as people repent. Metanoia, change the way you think. But then out of that naturally flow the works that will move towards racial reconciliation. So again, when we, when we are saved, it doesn't mean that you know, we just ignore works. I mean, we're not saved by our works, and we all know that, or we should. But we are saved to do good works. So we're saved, and once we're saved, it makes us desirous to go out and, and preach the gospel outside of abortion meals or outside of the LDS temple or take the gospel to other people or to give money to AOC's grandma or to give to... Um, organizations that are on the up and up that are working towards racial reconciliation and so on and towards the advancement of of people of color. Uh, You know, these things, they're not bad things. The NAACP is not a bad thing. On its face, the statement of Black Lives Matter is not a a bad thing. The group, the organization, the the Marxist group that came alongside and, and made an organization was, is a bad thing. But the statement and the 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 um, the principle behind it is not. Again, we see in Scripture where Jesus says the shepherd goes after one sheep. It's okay to at some point in time differentiate between all lives and black lives. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as we don't ignore. The all lives, you know, we recognize that the shepherd gets the sheep and comes back to the flock. Right. Again, when when someone's having a a fundraiser for diabetes, you don't go in and go, well, all diseases matter. Right. We should be. Why aren't you raising money for this and that and that? I mean, those are the things that come when people are doing abortion stuff. I mean, we've watched the, the, the question asked. The same question of, well, what don't all lives matter have been asked to, um, you know, people who are involved in abortion ministry of like, well, what are you doing to help moms after they have babies? Well, the reality is, is we're doing a lot. You just don't think that we are. Right. So, okay. So I've gone far longer than on my normal podcast. We're, we're about 10 minutes long here. So I'm gonna go ahead and shut this off. But here's the deal. Again, it does come back to the gospel. It does come back to the fact that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came to earth to pay the penalty for sinful men who, if we will repent and put our trust in him, then he will change the way we think. He will, we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I got it right that time. And our hearts will be changed. The heart of stone will be replaced by a heart of flesh our compassions will be turned towards our neighbor instead of just selfishly turned into ourselves. And we will see these things and, and, and the, the, the wide divide between left and right, black and white, 
Republican, Democrat, so on and so forth, will will come closer and closer as people are changed uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why, as always, we need to be out preaching the gospel at all times. We need to be using words because they're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.